Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, our guest is Dushka Zapata. And for those of you who are active on Quora, the Q&A website, Dushka might be a familiar name. She is a top writer on the website. She's been a top writer for many consecutive years now. Her answers have more than 100 million views on the website, and she has many thousands of followers on Quora. Her answers have also been published in popular outlets such as Huffington Post, Time, BBC, and many others. I should say her side job is that she works as vice president of communications at Zendesk, which is a customer service software company based out of San Francisco. And so on today's episode, we will be talking about one of the answers that Dushka wrote on Quora recently. So the question that was posted on Quora was, what are things you wish someone had told you when you were in your 20s. And uh, Dushka has written an answer for this question. And in a lot of ways, the answer is very simple, very straightforward. But as you read the answer, I think there's a strong chance that at least one or two of those things would resonate with you and uh, strike you and potentially change the way you think about certain things, maybe look at certain things in a different way, depending on the stage of life you're in. Uh, So I thought it would be interesting to share this answer with you. Uh, And we have Dushka herself sharing her thoughts on the answer with you. So I hope you enjoy the discussion. And with that, let's welcome Dushka. Hi, Sonali. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Dushka. How are you? I'm so happy that we're doing this. Thank you. I am probably happier. <laughs> I, I've literally been looking forward to recording this episode this entire week. So I'm glad that this <laughs> moment is finally here. I love hearing that. I hope to live up to your excitement. Oh, I'm sure you will surpass them by a huge amount. So, um, <laughs> so I wanted to go straight away into your answer, but there might be some people in the audience who are probably not very familiar with you. So do you want to just give us a very quick snapshot of your background? You know, Sonali, I don't think I can improve upon the way that you introduced me. Um, I thought it was really great. I think the only thing I would add, Mm -hmm. well, first of all, I'll say that I love that you consider my side job, my actual day (laughs) job. I thought that was really funny. Um, And the only thing I would add is that I've written four books and that my fifth book is coming out in May. I think that you covered all the other highlights. Awesome. Okay. Wonderful. So yeah, I do recommend everyone check out your profile on Quora, Uh, but let's get into your answer then. So just for the benefit of the listeners, the question that someone posted on Quora is, what are things you wish someone had told you when you were in your 20s? And so, Dushka, if you can read your answer in its entirety, and then we can uh, dive deeper into some of the points that you make. I would be happy to. So my answer is, my answer to what are the things I wish someone had told me when I was in my 20s is, attitude is more important than experience. Networking events are a waste of time. No, I will not work a room. Travel, read, develop a point of view. Curiosity is where it's at. We all live trapped in an echo chamber of our own design. Go create something of your own. 
Work is a roller coaster. You're a hero one day and a disaster the next. Develop your own sense of worth and toss aside both praise and criticism. Contact me the moment you figure out how. Remember, it's possible to make all the right decisions and end up with an undesired outcome. Ergo, the outcome cannot possibly be the measure of your decisions. Things will bounce back at you so fast, you'll get whiplash. Your intern will be your boss. Soon, so soon. Act accordingly. Don't regard peers as competitors. Don't concoct rivalries. We are in this together. Examine the reason, the real reason, behind every decision you make. Your ego will get you every single time. Trust with abandon, with passion, the people that you work with. Assume they will do their best. Tell yourself that only you can get it right and everyone around you will suffer a crisis of confidence. Say yes. Say no. Taking care of yourself is not an indulgence. Silence is indispensable. The only person who owes you work-life work balance is you. You are the only person who owes you anything. Love. Love wholeheartedly. Long after the name of whatever company you were working with becomes a distant memory, you will look around you and confirm this. It's the people. It's the people that remain. Awesome. I I really like this answer, Cora. Uh, I was about to call you Cora, Dushka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I, I really like this answer. And, you know, you, you read a lot of this sort of life wisdom. I mean, the internet is filled with those now. Uh, but I think what I, what I really liked about your answer is that a lot of these things are much more relatable. So as opposed to things like, you know, follow your passion, which is, you know, it's good advice, but it's probably too broad. You yeah. have a bunch of things over here, which someone like me can immediately relate to and apply to my life. So I... Well, that's make me, that makes me so happy because that's why I write it. The, I write it so someone out there can look at it and find it useful. So it makes me happy to hear that you did. Yeah, no, it really did. And how long does it take you, by the way, to write an answer like this? <laughs> that's a very common question. I think it really depends on the answer. There are some answers that I write in 10 minutes, maybe less. And then there are some answers that take me hours and I think that what makes them take longer is that I imagine them a certain way in my head and it takes me a long time to write what I thought I had imagined. And then sometimes I just have something to say and I write it and it comes out really quickly. So it really depends. I don't think this answer took very long. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good for you because it's, it's a great <laughs> answer. So yeah, I, I picked up a couple of things which I think will be interesting for this audience. Uh, one of the first things which immediately stood out for me was your tip around networking. And you say that, Networking events equals waste of time. No, I will not work a room. And I think this is something which a lot of people will find absolutely amazing because so many people are either afraid of networking or they just think it's not, you know, a, a good thing to do, so to say. So tell us more. What are you trying to say with this sentence? Well, the first thing I'm trying to say is that I don't want to do something that doesn't play to my strengths. And that means that whenever I go to a networking event, I stand in the corner feeling awkward and I can't possibly see how someone will see the best of me if I'm really uncomfortable. So I know that there's other things I can do that will make me, that will represent me better. And I try to do those. So if someone like you calls me and says, I want to interview you about something you wrote, I think that I can speak pretty well to what I wrote because I wrote it. But if someone says, can you come to a networking event and work a room? I just don't think that plays to my strengths, although I know that there's many people who probably can do that really well. Hmm. So that's the first piece. The second piece is at a networking event, you walk around giving people cards. And I, I just can't see how someone at the end of the room can remember which person matched which business card. I think that we, we misdefine what networking actually means. And what it means is I want to create 
a web of people that I can call upon if they need something from me or if I need something from them. And I don't think meeting someone fleetingly at an event builds loyalty. I don't think that it builds an interest in me following up with that person. So let me tell you how I network. Mm -hmm. If I'm working wherever it is I'm working, I currently I work at Zendesk. I really like it here. I think the people around me are really, really smart. I think that we're trying to build something together. And I think that um, there's people that I work with directly and people that I work with less directly, but they're in my company and they're already witnesses to what I do in my work. I think that I would get a lot further networking with the people who are sitting around me, who I'm meeting at meetings, who are who have context for me. So I don't think networking has to be, you know, several degrees of separation and networking only with strangers. I think that we should be networking with people who are closer to us and who are more exposed to who we are and what we do so that the work that we're doing is actually relevant. Mm. So to, to summarize, I would say, A, do whatever plays to your strengths, and B, redefine what it is that you want from what you're doing so that, it, it's, so that it's actually useful. Yeah, this is this is really, really good. And I, and I, I do want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions. So your first point is, you know, try and play to your strengths. So it's not, it's not that you're saying that networking in and of itself is bad in any way it's just that that's not something that you are good at and that's what you think but that's something that you are not good at yeah so and and so you're what you're saying is that the way that you build your network is is by trying to get to know the people around you better what how do you how do you in quotes network with the people around you well say for example that i I work on the marketing team at zenness and i work very closely with product marketing and I worked very closely with uh, product teams and I worked very closely with engineers. So I would much rather network with engineers that are people that I know and that see my work than network with strangers. And that way, when I see someone in my network, in my LinkedIn, and I see their name, I think this person was an X meeting. I remember him or her. I remember him or her strengths or weaknesses. I have a context for this person. This name means something to me. It wasn't an exchange of a business card in an anonymous room. It was someone that I've worked with. There's people here that work in the branding team, in like different different places in the company that I work with and that I know and that I didn't know a few months ago before I started working here. So working here is effectively building my network. Um, right. I just don't think that network building has to be with strangers. Yeah. No, and, and I completely see the point that you're making here that, you know, try and invest more in the relationships that you have with people that you already have some sort of a relationship with as opposed to building these very superficial, if you can even call it a relationship with someone that you meet at an event because that doesn't really lead to anything, which is fair. I guess what I'm trying to understand is that, so, you know, these engineers that you're working with or these product marketing people that you're working with, how exactly, you know, apart from like, are you, are you calling your work with them as networking? When you say that I just network with them. So for example, I might say, let's go get a, you know, I work with the branding team here a lot. I, I like them a lot as, as people. They bring work, and I think that the work that they do is really interesting. I'm a writer. They uh, write copy, and the work that we do is intimate. We need to see how the other person is thinking. I need to see how they tick, and I've, I've grown to just like really love them. I love working with them. So for me to say, let's go get a cup of coffee or let's go out and get a drink with them is so much more natural than asking someone at an event to stand with me in the middle of a room and exchange a business card. Hmm. So I I just want to do things that are more meaningful. If I have a limited amount of time in my day, 
and I have a choice of going to a networking event where I don't know anyone, or you tell me I'm happy to come to the city and talk to you, I have a context for you. I see your name in my inbox and I know who you are. We have had conversations. To me, it's just a lot more meaningful to sit down and have coffee with you than to go to a networking event with, yeah. with a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you're investing in the relationships around you a lot more. And, and yeah. Yeah, and that probably has a much more of a long-term impact as opposed to just knowing a sprinkle of people everywhere but not really having any context to that relationship. Exactly. And then a networking event demands that I engage in small talk. And I just, I can't do that. I don't know okay. how. I know that it's important and I know that it's a, it's, social, it's a social lubricant. I understand that it's value, but I'm not good at it. I have different kinds of conversations. I want to know more about people. Um, I want the, the networking to me has to have meaning. I can't call upon someone because someday I will need them. I actually have to like them. And so when I'm working around people and people are sitting around my desk and I, you know, we, we, we work in open cubes. I hear their conversations on the phone. I, I know who they are. I know the kind of people that they are. Yeah. So to me, it's a real joy to search out people that I like yeah. more than it is to try to connect with someone at an event that I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And and just one last question on this topic. So let's say that, you know, I'm an introvert and, uh, you know, and, and so I feel the same way at a huge networking event. I, you know, I just want to stand in a corner and not be seen by anyone. Uh, and but, you know, maybe this person is also not that comfortable with, you know, going out of their way to connect with their coworkers. Because, you know, someone who is more outgoing tends to be, tends to have an easier time doing that as opposed to someone who is not, even if you do have some sort of a working relationship. So do you have any recommendations there that, you know, maybe there are people that I want to get to know or, you know, who I think I might like, but I'm, I'm just not that outgoing. H how do you suggest I go about just getting to know people around me better and investing in those relationships? I would say there's, there's, you're, you're talking about two things. One is playing to your strengths hmm. and the other is, making yourself uncomfortable sometimes to step out of your comfort zone and, and accomplish things that you want. And sometimes you have to push past whatever it is that you're not comfortable with in order to have a better life and, you know, make friends and be more social. So I would say play to your strengths, but also do things that make you uncomfortable, push yourself. So if you are working in an office and you're not really outgoing, but there's someone in the office that you think might be interesting to have coffee with or to work on a project with, um, you know, take them out to coffee. All right. I think people should take that cue and start doing that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And also modulate. I, I'm I'm very social, but I'm also intensely introverted. And by that, I mean uh, interaction, social interaction depletes me, even if I'm a very social person. So it will be very unlikely for me to go to a party, but I'm very likely to go have a, a cup of coffee or a drink with one person, maybe two. So I do what, what I think plays to my strengths. And, you know, sometimes I go to parties because to my own point, I, I'm okay with making myself uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I also try to do something that, um, that puts me in my best, uh, that shows you and gives you where I'm at my best, which is, you know, I want to listen to you and I want to actually have a real conversation and I want to get to know you and I want our relationship to be more meaningful than, you know, exchanging a business card that's going to probably end up in my garbage can. Right, right. And I think one thing which stands out for me, this is not something which you've said, but I think which is something that I've learned from you just as an outsider, is that 
that you are doing something that you're so good at that I think that in and of itself attracts people to you. So the only reason I know you is because of your writing on Quora. I, I wouldn't have known you otherwise. And and so I think if you invest in something which you are really good at and you keep on doing it, it does tend to attract at least people who like that sort of thing, right? So that will lead you to getting to know more people who where the probability of you liking them and then them liking you is higher. Absolutely. You, you doing what interests you surrounds you with people who are interested in the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to another point that you made in your answer, which was things will bounce back at you so fast. You'll get whiplash. Your intern will be your boss soon. So soon. Act accordingly. I think this is particularly relevant in Silicon Valley where you have, you know, 30-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 20-year-olds leading the company and you are reporting to them. So this happens all the time. Tell us a little bit more about what does this mean on a day-to-day basis for someone? What this means really is be careful how you treat people. Be the best person you can be regardless of the person's age, regardless of the person's position, regardless of the person's level, because that whatever dynamics you're a part of today are going to change. And how would you treat someone? I mean, I think people should treat people well regardless, but how would you treat someone if the person that you are now teaching were to become your boss, you know, in a few years. And I've been in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco and, you know, alive in general long enough to know that whatever the dynamic is now doesn't mean that the dynamic is going to be that way forever. And I think that if you know this, when you're in your 20s, you just are more careful about what you say and how you treat people as you move through your life. So it's one of the things, you know, in, in honor to the question that I was answering by saying this is, um, I wish someone had told me way back when that whatever dynamic I was a part of w- w- was going to change because you have no idea how many people I've come across that were reporting into me that later became my clients or people who were reporting into me that later became someone that I was reporting into mm. and the fact that people have told me you were always fair to me, um, you were always uh, a joy to work with or whatever it is that I hear, I, I just feel that that served me really well. So yeah. I, I, I think it's a, it's a very useful thing to know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if let's say someone is in that situation, and it sounds like you have been in that situation, you know, for the longest of time, people have had this, you just have this mental attitude, I guess, that someone who's senior, you tend to respect them more. Someone who's junior, you expect them to respect you. And of course, you're, you respect them. But I think if, if that situation is reversed, sometimes it just hits you a little bit that, wow, you know, this person was reporting to me and now I'm reporting to this person. So did you have to do something to develop that sense of confidence, I guess, or self-worth where something like that does not bother you? Because I think a lot of this treating other people well probably stems from just how you view yourself. Um, I, 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 I don't know exactly how I can answer this question. I think that I would say I try to treat everyone the same. I I try not to treat someone, you know, more deferentially because they're more senior. I, I think human beings are human beings and I try to treat everyone the same. But I, the reason I hesitate is because, you know, I don't always treat people well. I'm a human being. Sometimes I'm short and sometimes I'm tired I'm an introvert and sometimes my brain is just full of words and I want to go home. Um, so I, I, I guess we just go through life doing the best we can. I, I, I don't want to, you know, misrepresent myself and tell you that I've been an angel to everyone. I, <laughs> I, I think that 
I think that every time I haven't treated someone well, I have regretted it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next one is something that I definitely want to get your thoughts on. So this one is travel, read, develop a point of view. Curiosity is where it's at. Yes. The the question that I have for you is that everyone talks about how you should have a point of view. First of all, what is a point of view? And then how do you develop it, of course? I think a point of view is what you think about something that is not stemming from what someone else thinks about something. So I want to know what you think, and you don't need to ask anyone else to answer my question. That is a point of view. A point of view is a standalone, I don't need to ask anyone anything, this is my opinion of it. And I think that you develop it by living and by, by having different experiences. I'm going to give you a super basic example of a point of view. You and I both come from very hierarchical societies. Living in India or coming from Mexico is not the same as living in the U.S. Our societies are more hierarchical. So I come here and I learn that hierarchy is a social construct mm-hmm. and that people need to be treated the same. And that is something I learned. That is not necessarily something that I, that, I, I, that I was raised with. So basically, there is a distinction between the way that I was raised and what I now believe because of what I've lived. And so you and I can have a conversation about it where you have a point of view that possibly evolves throughout our conversation. Yeah. And that's why we need to be curious. And that's why we need to travel and read and talk and listen to podcasts and listen to people because whatever it is that we think is supposed to evolve. And I'm not talking about, you know, flip-flopping. I'm talking about an opinion that can change and that can, that can, that can have an evolution. And I think that, we live in a world where we often look to others to develop our own opinion. And I think that developing your own opinion is one of the most interesting things. Mm-hmm. Developing an opinion where you know that you don't believe everything you think and where you know that just because you think something is true doesn't make it so. And you say, I'm open, but this is what I'm thinking now. And I think that the, your point of view is intimately uh, connected to who you are. And what you bring to the table when you're working or when you're with your family, um, a point of view defines you. It's, it's part of your identity. So that's why I think you should develop your own rather than looking around to, see, to seek confirmation for what you believe. Yeah. No, and I, I absolutely agree that I think if you have a strong point of view, it can really help you point your life in the right direction and also probably help you make decisions. Because Definitely. you are true, you sort of know what you stand for. So have there been times in your life when your point of view has what has led you to make a different decision from what you might have taken otherwise? Um, You mean what has changed my point of view? Uh, No, so you already gave an example of how your point of view on, for example, the hierarchy in society changed once you moved to the US. What I mean to say is more that, you know, is there an example of, you know, something that you believe in today, which has helped you make a certain decision? Um, well, there's a lot of things I believe that help me make decisions. Um, I'll, I'll, well, I'm going to give you, I'm just, I'm going to give you kind of a off the bat example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think about a lot is the things that we say that we believe in to make someone else comfortable versus the truth. So for example, um, I, I've, I've heard in many, 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 many relationships, the guy that I'm with or me telling the guy, you know, I only have eyes for you. And I know that for a fact that that's not true because I actually think men are really fun to look at. They're very good looking and I have eyes for everyone. 
And I think that the fact that I have eyes for everyone doesn't threaten my relationship. I am monogamous. I am, I am not a cheater. I'm not interested in cheating, but I, I don't think that my boyfriend is the only guy that I'm interested in looking at. So I have a very strong point of view about that. I don't want to lie to make you comfortable. I want you to know that I, Hmm. I don't have eyes for just for you. And that's just a very small sliver of an example of something that, you know, I want to, I want to not fall prey to what everyone wants me to say. Hmm. I want to stand by what I think is the truth. And I think that the truth is very, very, very few people only have eyes for the person they're with, even though most people say that that's the case. I think that's just being human, but you're right. Okay. So then the next one that I wanted to chat with you about was uh, don't regard peers as competitors. Don't concoct rivalries. We are in this together. So yeah, tell us more. And then one of the key questions I had over here was that, you know, what do you do when you see one of your peers doing better than you? Because, you know, as humans, there is a tendency to compare yourself with others. Yeah, so that's two different questions. Let me let me answer the competitor question again, and then you can ask me the comparing yourself with others mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of what happens in terms of social dynamics happens only in our in our mind, in our brain we think of something that isn't actually happening. There's a difference between what we believe is true and what is actually happening. And I think that before we actually have a competitor, we conceive that person as a competitor in our brain. And so my suggestion is don't do that. If you conceive a person as an ally and act accordingly, that person is more likely to act like an ally than a competitor. But if you regard other people as competitors, you will go through life competing with people instead of developing your own point of view and following your own path. So be careful what you concoct, because I think that a competitor is, is more frequently an ally if you, if you let it be so. Yeah. So can you share an example? Like, has this happened that, you know, it was more in your head, but then when you changed your point of view, I guess, on, on it, everything just changed dramatically. I just decided very early on in life that comp- competition wasn't the way that I wanted to live my life. Um, I think that when, when I compete, it breeds envy, it breeds jealousy, it makes me compare myself to others, and I think it takes me off my path. I have a path that has nothing to do with how others are doing. If someone is doing better or worse than me, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change what I want to do. It doesn't change my priorities. And I think I should do what matters to me based on myself and not based on others. So it, I decided very long ago that I just wasn't going to play into that. And I think it's uh, worked well for me because I have a lot more friends than I have people that I have rivalries with. I just, I just really don't think that way. It's not the way my brain operates. So if, we, if let's say someone sees one of their peers doing better than them, uh, of course, I, I put better in quotes because, you know, there's no one definition for that. Uh, yeah, I would say I want to be around that person because if someone's better than me, it gives me someone to learn from. I think I should surround myself with giants so that I always have someone to learn something from. Hmm. I would love it if everyone around me was better than me. I would never stop learning, which is one of my life goals. I want to put myself in positions where I'm always learning something new. That is directly connected to my happiness. Yeah, yeah. So you're basically transforming that as an opportunity to learn as opposed to be envious. Well, I'm suggesting that if someone is envious or feeling like a competitor, that they transform it. But I just don't really come at it that way. I, I don't need to transform it. I already... Mm-hmm. conceive it as an ally or a friend or someone to learn from right right 
All right. So then the next one is it's possible to make all the right decisions and end up with an undesired outcome. Ergo, the outcome cannot possibly be the measure of your decisions. So I, I think yeah. this this is like such a Zen like saying, and I I wish it was true. Like you know, you could truly imbibe it. Like do you do you believe this from the bottom of your heart, or do you have to like work towards it? Absolutely. No, no, no. I believe it from the bottom of my heart. I'm gonna give you an example. You call me and and tell me that you want to to interview me for your podcast, and I say yes. Today I am completely slammed. I have 17 things going on. My boss calls me and I don't show up. Did you do something wrong? Did, did you decided to call me? You called me. You made the appointment. We put it on the calendar. Was the outcome a measure of what you did? It had nothing to do with you. I mean, it, if I stand you up, it's rude, you know, but that's a whole other subject. Every, you did everything right and the outcome was not what you expected. But there were a lot of things that happened in the background in my life that had nothing to do with you that made me not show up to this appointment. So there are thousands of, of thousands of things that happen in the background that are not related to us at all. So over and over again, we make the right decisions and don't end up the way that we wanted. And it has nothing to do with us. So we cannot measure our decisions based on the outcome. They are not always related. Yeah. No, I mean, that's I think if you speak, if you look at things very rationally, that's absolutely true because the outcomes are influenced by so many things that are out of your control and not exactly. just not just the decision that you took. But how do you avoid? Because they, you know, we we do. I mean, at the end of the day, we do live in a society where people are measured by things that are visible, which are the outcomes, and whether we like it or not. And and it's it's it takes work to not fall into that same trap yourself. Let me, let me tell you my answer to that. How you measure me concerns me a lot less than how much I'm going to suffer by how I regard things. And if I continue to feel like a failure for things that actually have nothing to do with me, that is too much suffering. So I'm a wimp and I don't like suffering. And I would much rather prefer to not, you know, to, to see that not every single outcome is related to me because that way I suffer less. And is is this how you felt your entire life, or did you try and? Sort of- I, I I think I don't I don't think so. I think that it's it was very natural to me to take things personally, to connect outcomes with my decisions. What ha- what happened? What did I do? How did I go wrong? How can I get this perfect? And I think I just got exhausted. It is absolutely exhausting to consider everything around you has something to do with you. So I think that it just. I think that I reached my the conclusion that not everything had to do with me by sheer exhaustion. And so now <laughs> I suffer less and I, I like it. I like suffering less. So now I do the best I can and hope for the best and whatever happens, happens. I mean, that that's fair. I, I think I would like enjoy suffering less also. Do you ever look back at, you know, like what, what would you say to having a more reflective life where you're looking back at what you've done and thinking if, you know, there are things that you could have done differently? Um, you know, there's a, I, I think that people who say that have no regrets and that look back on their life and think they would have done nothing differently are not really being honest. I think I regret a lot of things. What I, what, where I land at is that I like the person that I am and I like where my life is at. And I think that where my life is at and the person that I am is the sum total of all the stupid things I've done. So it's not so much that I don't regret it. It's that it ended up okay. And so I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
so uh, this is the very last one that I wanted to chat about, which was examine the reason, the real reason behind the decisions you make. Your ego will get you every single time. Yes, the ego. Yes. <laughs> so how how do you stop your ego from making your decisions for you? I don't think that you can stop the ego. I think that you can become more aware of who is making the decisions, if it's you or your ego. Uh, if you are left out of a decision, let's say that you're working in an office and you are left out of a decision that is directly related to your job. You can say, how dare they? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I, I feel invisible. I feel no one is looking at me or regarding me. I feel I'm not important enough. I feel that I'm whatever. That is pure ego. And it hurts. It hurts so much. Uh, so again, this is about suffering less. So if you say, you know, the meeting that didn't involve me just they forgot to include me. It, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is, is this functional? How can I make this work? You know, am I going to be mad at the person that, did, that didn't include me and consider them a competitor and decide that maybe they want to hurt me? Or should I just figure out how to make things okay, even if I wasn't in that initial meeting? So I, I, I don't necessarily not make decisions with my ego. I just become aware of when I do them because when I do them, it will always hurt more. Yeah, yeah. So it's just becoming more aware. And I guess just having that conscious thought at the back of your mind should at least help you. Yeah. That is all it is. It has. This is not me saying extract your ego, kill your ego. This is not something you can do. Your ego is the way that you regard yourself. But it can get gigantic and it can crowd out your thoughts and it can... It can, ju- it, it can um, tamper with your judgment. So you keeping an eye on it and just saying, you know, I see you and I see that something made you feel small or something made you feel insecure or something made you feel like you were not amazing or something made you feel like others think that you're not perfect. I don't know how they found that out despite my efforts. You know, you, you just, you know, you just sort of soothe it. You know, you're, you, you're, it's, it's going to be okay. You were ignored and it, it hurt and, you know, let's just, let's just take a look at what matters, which is, you know, what, what can we do that's best for the organization? What can we do that is going to move the team forward? How can I think less of myself and how this made me look and more about my team, you know, whatever. And as you get your ego out of the way, you start making better decisions. Well, I think it's a long journey, but you're absolutely right. You know, as soon as you have there, basically everything I suggest is a long journey. <laughs> Nothing is something that you can just, you know, switch on and off. But I think that as you practice, life gets less painful. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. This is so good, Dushka. Keep keep writing your your amazing answer. I did not have any other follow up questions, but did you have any parting advice for people who are still relatively early in their career slash life? I don't have any parting advice, but I do want to remind you that you asked me a question about comparing yourself to others. And I want to remind you because it's so important. Okay. Tell tell us more. So here's the way that I see it. I think everyone is on their own path. We don't know what the other person's path is. We just know our own. So you might think, I'm I'm just going to use a social media example because they're so common, Mm -hmm. that someone on social media has a better life than you and you get envious and compare your life to them. But the fact is you don't know. You don't know anything about this person. You don't know if they're posting something that isn't true. You don't know if one aspect of their life is amazing and the other one isn't. You don't know. You don't know anything about their journey. Um, So the more you choose to not look at what others are doing, the more time it gives you to focus on yourself 
and to do things that I suggested earlier on in this conversation, which is, you know, remain interested in you, develop your own point of view, you know, check your ego instead of checking the other person. Don't regard someone as a competitor instead of concocting rivalries. Like you have so much work to do inside of your own brain that every time you look at someone else, you are distracting yourself from what actually really matters and make, can make you happier and can make you suffer less. So again, like we said before, this is a process and it takes the rest of your life. But every time you catch yourself comparing yourself to others, say to yourself, this is my ego. This is not going to help me. This is not going to be, it, it doesn't feel good. It hurts, but it also in the long term doesn't get me closer to where I want to be. I need to look less at the other person and more at myself. And it's a, it's an exercise. And it's, you know, some days you're like that today was terrible. I compared myself to someone else all day. <laughs> and um, other days you, you realize that everyone has their own path and another person's path um, is their own. And it, and if you look at it for too long, it will distract you from yours. Yeah. Now, you know, what you're saying reminds me, I don't know if you read Walden by Henry David Thoreau. I read it a long time ago. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. And uh, I mean, of course, I'm going to be butchering whatever he wrote there. But there's this one sentence paragraph where he basically says that, you know, think about yourself as a sculpture almost that you're sort of chiseling away at, chiseling away at till you finally reach something which looks amazing to you. But literally think of yourself like and he's of course referring to your mind and body and soul. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I think that's beautiful and I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think every time you compare yourself to someone else, what you're really doing is distracting yourself from what you really need to be doing. And that I, I just don't want to waste my time that way. Yeah. And and I do really like your, your suggestion of and of course it comes naturally to you, but every time you do catch yourself comparing yourself with someone and you know, maybe feeling jealous or, you know, feeling bad about yourself. Instead, see if you can try and learn from them. So like actually reach out to them and connect with them and see. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, whatever it is that you did made me really admire you. And I want to know how you got there. Yeah. That, that will serve you so much better than, you know, feeling envious. Yeah. And, and envy is a feeling. It, meaning you, you can't always control it. It, it. it sort of like blooms, you know, from your chest and you can't stop it. But you don't have to listen to it. You know, you don't have to, to, you don't have to confuse your feeling with a fact. It's just a feeling it'll pass and you need to, you know, return to your, your attention to what really matters. Yeah. Do you, do you practice uh, mindfulness to or like meditate or something? Um, I go to yoga and there is a meditative part of, of the practice at the beginning. So I, I meditate really regularly, but I usually do it under supervision. I just find it more effective for me. Okay. Cause that's something which potentially helps you. Correct. Absolutely. I think, I think silence, it, it is actually in this answer. Silence is indispensable. You, you, you need to carve out a time when you can listen to yourself and you can hear yourself think and, you know, discover what you want and who you are. All of these things take the rest of your life. Whenever you think you know what you want or who you are, you know, just give it a couple of weeks. It'll change. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dushka. This was absolutely wonderful. I know uh, you've been doing this from your office. So do you have to go back to more meetings now? I am going to go back to work for sure. Okay. All right. Well, have a good rest of the day. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much. Care. Thank you so much for, for reaching out. And um, thank you so much for reading what I write. And uh, have a great afternoon. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave... 
do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website learneducatediscover.com where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.